0: Welcome to Electric Liberty Land, here on the Lions of Liberty podcast. Your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams.
1: Hello, everyone. Hello and welcome to the very, very first Electric Liberty Land. I hope you enjoyed that get-down-boogie that I brought you in on. Hopefully that'll add a little pep to your step on this Wednesday. I, uh, I do it. My, uh, My peppin' and steppin' is a little, a little down. We'll talk about that with my guest once I bring him in here. But, uh, yeah, this, this is our very first show. And basically, as I mentioned on uh, Monday's show, if you heard that, Electric Liberty Land is going to be looking mostly at current events. It'll have a little bit of comedy mixed in. Now we're going to ease into this first show, this being the first foray into my own show here. So I'm going to put a little little toe in the water and kind of slide in. It's going to be like the, it's going to be like the early sitcom. You know, you ever watch the first season of a sitcom that's really popular and you're like, wow, this show's terrible? That's us all over, baby. So give it time to work itself out uh, and for our characters to get fully fleshed out. Speaking of characters, on this very first episode of Electric Liberty Land, I want to welcome in the one and only Rico. Hey, Rico. Well, hello. It's been a long time. Yes, um, been uh, all of, what, six or seven hours since we saw each other? Because Rico's yes. actually here in L.A. for the Rose Bowl, uh, which uh, I don't know about you, but still do not have a, a great taste in my mouth after the loss that we took there, Penn State. Yes. Taken.
0: Uh, it, it was- <laughs> It was a rough one, but you did start off the show with a lie saying this is the first episode when we actually tried to record one last <laughs> night.
1: That's <laughs> true. It's, you know what? <laughs> and, Podcasting 101, don't record uh, blackout drunk. does not go yeah, off well. The only thing I remember about what we talked about is, um, or the
0: only thing I remember is I, I couldn't make any sense or form coherent sentences, so...
1: I'm probably think you're giving yourself too good, much credit one. as to usually being able to do that. So <laughs> take true. that with a great assault. Oh my God.
0: Well, I'm I'm still struggling today, so hopefully <laughs> I don't just uh keel over and, and pass out midway through. But I'll <laughs> give it the old college try, much like our alma mater did yesterday.
1: Yeah, exactly. And hopefully this uh this will end up a little bit better than that, where Penn State blew a uh insurmountable, some would argue, late lead with five minutes left. We don't need to go too much into that. The only thing I will say about yesterday is that. We were both uh, very upset with the city of Pasadena because the city of Pasadena, which hosts the Rose Bowl, always hosts the Rose Parade as well. Now, we had to go down near the Rose Parade area because we had to get a parking pass from another buddy of ours, yada, yada. So we're just trying to get out of the city of Pasadena and get to the Rose Bowl, which is is what it's all about, the Rose Bowl. And they've got on the ticket we bought. Instructions. Here's what you do. Take this road, and anytime you want, no problem, go to the Rose Bowl. So we try that. Of course, the road's blocked off with the parade. We try a second route that is recommended, also blocked off by the parade. We ask a cop, hey, officer, can you tell us how to get to the damn Rose Bowl? And he says, yes, go this, this, this direction's great. We take that route. What happened, Rico? Um, it was blocked off. Yes. So thanks for the help, officer. (laughs) And then he was not the only officer to tell people that route. Another group of officers also told another guy trying to get to the Rose Bowl how to take the route. And it was the same blocked up route. So, yeah, just complete incompetence. This is the 103rd Rose Bowl. You have 103 years to figure it out. But no, the incompetence of government-run institutions still bubbles to the top, even in the simplest of things. So, yeah, good job, Pasadena. Really knock it out of the park there.
0: Yes. Well, my feelings were um, expressed quite vividly yesterday. And uh, you know how I feel about the situation.
1: <laughs> I do. And so do the people who were randomly yelling out at the car window, calling people in Pasadena ugly. It was a whole scene. Uh, okay. So let's talk about some of these. I uh, got a few different topics I want to hit today. Uh, you know, the first and foremost has to be the issue of the Democratic hacking. And of course, Obama speaking out and saying, you know, basically kicking all of Russia's ambassadors out because he alleges that Russia hacked the DNC emails, that they affected the election. This is, of course, after he went out of his way to assure America and Trump that no election has ever been tampered with in America and it's impossible, but that's neither here nor there, I guess. But goes out, says Russia did it. Russia says, yeah, we'll put up or shut up. Where's the evidence? And this report comes out you know, a couple of days ago or yesterday saying, okay, well, yeah, here's, here's our findings. And, uh, having perused it and having read many articles on it, I don't really see a good case being made. I mean, did, Rico, do you take a look at any of the, any of what the pundits are saying about this report that came out from these, you know, this, this, I guess, co- report that's been coagulated from all the bleeding arteries of 17 different intelligence uh, institutions in the United States?
0: Well, you see what, each side says, you know, the left says, well, it's 17 agencies are, are all in agreement that it was the Russians. And the right says, well, where's the evidence? And then the left says, well, we can't release the evidence because classified. <laughs> it's like, OK, um, the, w- what has been released to me is not a very compelling case. So the malware was written by perhaps a some Russian hackers that may or may not have been affiliated with the Russian government but once the malware is out there um it can be copied by anyone right and e- indeed i think the government agency investigating this actually copied the malware so <laughs> it, it proves absolutely nothing just that this you know code or whatever had originally been written perhaps by some russians but god knows who actually hacked into the um, email it, it provides no evidence at all so right. it's just it, kind of a continuing you know, no, uh, there was no put up by the Obama administration. His response seemed kind of laughable. Okay, well, we're going to expel diplomats, and then probably, well, in two weeks they're going to be back. Right? So, yeah. What's the big point? deal? Yeah. It's Great. Just a, a they're, lot of they're on a little Chesapeake.
1: vacation. Yeah, exactly, and it's just, and and before that, even though he's, you know, why even get this rhetoric going? Why even try? You're 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 on your way out, Obama. Why are you rocking the cart and trying to cause all this trouble and start an international incident over something that clearly, you know, we we like you said, we have not seen the evidence, the case they made. This this basically, they're pointing to this group or this initiative called Grizzly Step. S-T-E-P-P E. And I'll link to I'll link to these stories in the show notes, which actually you can find at lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL One. Number one. So once again, lions of forward slash ELL one. But this whole grizzly step thing is kind of like what the Russian government, I guess, calls their hacking protocols. And yeah, it's a it's a malware that's out there, and they pointed this out too in the report, or that people reading the report pointed this out. The system that was used to hack into the emails, it isn't even the most up-to-date system. So either the Russian government hackers are just real lazy in updating their hacking software, and you'd think they'd want to be on top of that and use the best and brightest available, or this is just a system that's been out there that everybody has access to and is easy for people to tap into, any of the thousands of people, and go raid you uh, the DNC email servers. So it's just, it's absurd. It pisses me off immensely. To see it. And I just kind of want this whole thing to be done with and people to shut the hell up about it and move on. Because there's nothing. What are you going to do about it now, what do you like? What's what's to be done?
0: Well, you kind of ask why Obama was doing this, and I wonder, is there any kind of element where he is trying to protect his legacy in a sense that the election of Trump was just a repudiation pretty that's, much yeah, that's true. of recent policies that he's, you know, that were his signatures. And now he's if he can say, well, you know, the, the people didn't really repudiate my policies. They only elected Trump because of this interference. Otherwise, you know, everyone loved me and everyone loved what I did. So, you know, it's not a black <laughs> mark against me.
1: Right. Yeah. Whatever helps you sleep at night, though, big O. Oh, he'll sleep just fine. He's going <laughs> to live it up. Even his salt and pepper head. God, he's got be- so white, man. It's just every president that leaves office. I, I I, think my favorite thing about seeing presidents leave office is just see how haggard and beat up they are. <laughs> yeah. We're listening to the uh, a podcast yesterday. Adam Carollas, who was on Team TBD, the Liberty Draft team from Mr. Rico here. And uh Norm McDonald's on there. and They referred to Norm MacDonald as very haggard looking. And I think Norm McDonald is the end result of what most presidents leave office looking like. Just beat to hell. <laughs>
0: <laughs> They'll be so complimented
1: by that. <laughs> <comparison>. <laughs> uh So I say, yeah, it, it is, I, I'm just happy when, it, when it'll be over. And I, I can't wait for Trump to get into office, mostly so we can keep seeing what more uh, interesting things he will tweet out. I mean, the most recent item that I saw is this whole this Office of Congressional Ethics. Basically, what this organization is, is they can put out allegations or uh, actually take people to court over different improprieties they might have had. So the lawmakers, of course, don't like that. They don't want this organization that can come after them. Thus, they were pushing to get rid of it. And Trump basically came out and said, no, 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 don't do that anymore. And it looks like now they're reversing course. So my question to you, Rico, is... Do we need the Office for Congressional Ethics? Do we care? Should we care?
0: I think there there should definitely be some kind of ethical investigation committee, whether this exact setup, you know, I don't know anything about, the, you know, this particular entity. Um, I've read that there are questions whether they are, are really treating people fairly, whether the process is, uh, you know a fair process there's anonymous allegations how are you conf- you know are you getting the opportunity to confront the people making these accusations against you so i don't know whether in practice it's a good one but i think in theory um th- there's <laughs> definitely should be some kind of oversight or or repercussions for congressmen who act improperly so i don't disagree with the idea of it. I just don't know how it actually works.
1: Yeah, in, you would think that it life. wouldn't be necessary. I mean, shouldn't there always be somebody kind of looking at their actions anyway? You know, this it, it may seem like a bit of a redundancy to have this organization, but you hit on a key phrase or a key term, in that is that they can anonymously basically go after and put these anonymous allegations out, which is, of course, ridiculous. I mean, hey, as one of your basic rights uh, is, is be able to, to face your accuser. And if you can't do that, then it seems like this whole thing is, is a bit of a ridiculous setup. Uh, that being said, it's hard not to say, yeah, we want more oversight. We want more people looking into what our government officials are doing, especially because they wield so much power. And so much of it is vastly unchecked. Now, I'd have to look and see what the track record of the Department of Congressional Ethics is and who they've actually taken down and was it a right thing or a wrong thing and yada yada and unfortunately this being a breaking news show uh, I have not had the chance to do that so maybe that's something we'll see if if it actually does survive it would kind of be a fun little exercise to look back and see just whose careers they have ruined and did they deserve (laughs) to have their careers destroyed I guess really the the thing I'd like to see most is just uh, I want to look at the congressional records of the people who want to shut it down Because I, I wonder if they're if they're using this opportunity to be like, we got to take this thing out right now before this hooker scandal that I know is coming. <laughs> like, I know I killed those hookers and I know that that trunk is opening sometime soon. So maybe those guys are are a little scared and they're trying to, to jump the gun and, and do a preemptive strike on the uh, the Department of Ethics. But I don't know. Allegedly. That's
0: that is A good question. Well, I, I don't think Trump really came out a, against the move so much as the timing of it.
1: Yeah, that's um, true. He was so, saying, uh, yeah, he focused more on you know, reform for health care and, uh, and these, all these other things, which I agree with, you know. Um, he,
0: he did call it an unfair institution, one of his favorite words.
1: Yeah. Unfair. <laughs> Everything's unfair to Donald Trump. The world's <laughs> an unfair place when you're uh, when you're born with millions of dollars. Billionaire president. Yeah. Uh, God knows. Wife. But yeah, he, I, it's true. He does call it unfair. But yeah. So – that was one. So what do we think about that? I'm going to introduce this new, brand new segment. Everybody seems to love the up-down game. So in the, the newest edition of the up-down game, uh, we're going to call it Trump or Dump. And, uh, of course, you know, good stuff gets a Trump and bad stuff gets a Dump. So, Rico, what do you think? Is this Trump or Dump?
0: I'm going to give it a Trump. Um, setting aside the whole issue of should he be tweeting everything? single thought he has about things that are going on when he's not even president or should he be tweeting like this when he actually is president? Um, Speaking of that, dumps,
1: by the way, do you think how many of these tweets do you think he's sending from the soon to be presidential toilet? I hope all of them. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> like, what else are you supposed to it's do? It's toilet diplomacy.
0: Come on. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, um, the, the fact that he, he said, you know, focus on. Things that are a little bit more important, we can. They'll probably revisit this idea down the road. But as you know, when he's coming into office, this is not the the thing that they really want to be focused on at this point in time. And it, it's a minor issue, but it, it does seem to to be a good point that you know, well, focus your attention on the areas that. The election was was on you know what was important to people who you know cast their vote and it certainly isn't the existence of the congressional ethics committee or whatever it's called yeah yeah
1: agreed i also will give it a trump and uh, and agree with what you said there so let's move on to another trump or jump candidate here now this is one it's uh, it's it's good news but uh, it comes with the caveat of is this how we want our companies to be treated in the united states so uh, basically, two different items of news came out. The first is that Trump had tweeted, again, <laughs> loves his tweets, he had tweeted at General Motors basically because, and I, I'm not exactly sure what spurred this on, but uh, he tweeted at them basically saying that if they manufactured the cruise, not named after Ted Cruz, tragically, uh, but if they kept making the cruise car, the sedan, I guess, in uh, Mexico, they were going to face big-ass sanctions. And they were going to make, you know, not sex, but he's going to have a big, uh, you know, a big tariff for anything they, they bring in and yada, yada. Basically a 35% billing. So of course, GM tweeted back saying, well, we make those cars in Michigan, <laughs> but I guess that's neither here or there. They only make a couple, uh, in Mexico. So that was one thing is uh, him, him trying to intimidate GM into keeping business here in the United States and threatening them with economic, uh, tariffs. And then the other thing is that. Ford, basically because of the same type of pressure that he had put on them, telling them, you know, oh, you better not, you know, shake, wagging his finger. Uh, Ford actually said that they are not going to build a, I think it was like a $1.6 billion factory in Mexico. They instead are going to invest seven or 800 million to keep, uh, keep the jobs here and do them in Michigan. So what do you think about that, Rico? I mean, is this, is it right? for Donald Trump to use his power in this way? And is it something where is he just blustering? Do we think he'll actually do anything with this power? And if he doesn't do anything with it, is it kind of better than him, you know, putting all these regulations and stuff into place? I hate
0: uh, Donald Trump on this issue. I, I can't stand it. I think we've talked about it numerous times. You can't, one, he's getting involved on like a, a personal level, you know, a tweeting at basically the CEOs of these companies do this or or else. Um, and, and just his the economic idea behind it is is ridiculous. OK, um, I don't think that Ford really made this move in response to anything he did. They were citing, you know, a decline in demand for uh, small cars, which is why they're just kind of going to invest in uh, revitalizing some of their plans here. It makes more economic sense. It's not because of whatever Donald Trump is saying. And the other thing is, you know, companies expand their bases into other countries to kind of expand their markets. You know, most of the cars that are are made in Mexico are remaining in Mexico. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, you know, what's the problem with that? Uh, You know, I I don't understand, but if you're going to put tariffs, it's going to hurt the consumers in the long run. And the other thing, you know, he doesn't seem to have a problem with foreign companies like, say, BMW having a plant in South Carolina or Nissan, I think, has a plant in Kentucky or something. It's just what international companies do. They're going to have certain plants in other countries and to kind of threaten trade wars is, is not a good thing.
1: No, precisely right, and, and and all the all the protectionism, you know. Again, I I it's one of those funny things we have talked about this a lot. Is his bullying tactics, and that was one of the things he was the, considered the bully in chief. You know, that was his his nickname assigned to him by the liberal media. But there is a matter of truth to that, and he does does bluster and bully a lot. Now, like you pointed out, Ford does seem to be a business decision. Uh, yeah, the the Ford trucks are their big seller. Trucks are going like crazy right now. I don't know why exactly. It seems like everybody that I know that buys a truck doesn't actually use it for anything that trucks are supposed to be used for. But that's either here nor there. Uh, yeah, it looks like a good business decision. And for Trump to stay, okay, well, no, no, I'm taking credit for this. And also you shouldn't go there and basically putting these tariffs in place. Like you said it impacts the consumer. Now it might impact, it might not impact people immediately, but it's going to be felt down the road as costs get, get passed along to all of us from these jobs being kept here. Now, hell, we all want jobs here, but at the same point, you think about how much auto workers already get paid. It's not like the auto industry has any sort of enticement to have lower level jobs are going to open up, especially with the me- the minimum wage conversation that's ongoing and the raising that in different states. So, yeah, I just think this whole thing is it's he needs to knock it the hell off. He just needs to let companies do their business, operate as they're going to do. And then also he needs to just rely on his own tax plan he wants to put forth. If Trump is really going to slash the amount of corporate tax down to what was it, fifteen percent? I think was his rate he put out, or fourteen point five. Yeah. It's
0: really I good- think-
1: Something right around that, that level. Uh, if he's really going to do that, that's a huge enticement on its own. You know, why don't you let that go into place before you start bullying people and trying to make these accurate, these, these, uh, threats via Twitter, such, so, you know, shooting out Twitter bullets like these companies constantly, you know, let the market play out, put your tax into, into play. And I think it'll probably do itself a favor and, and work itself out for the benefit of Americans. Lower taxes means everybody wins. So yeah, he needs to knock it off. This is a dump. Yeah, definite dump. um, But the odds of him knocking it off,
0: I don't think are very high.
1: No, I don't think so either, especially because every time one of these companies actually happens to uh, whether it's intentional or not, or as a result of Trump or not, ends up doing it, he's going to mark it on his belt as another uh, another notch. And he's going to celebrate all the people that voted for him, you know, many of whom are. In, you know, a lot of these industries that have been hit hard by their jobs going overseas, of course, are going to celebrate it. And who knows? It might make it every time one of these companies stays, it might make it even worse for uh, in the long run for the rest of us as he starts doing more and more of this threatening actions. and, And actually, I mean, look, I haven't seen him put forth anything in writing yet to punish any any companies or try to really, really hamper any sort of industries or free trade. Have you heard anything about that yet? No, I,
0: I don't think he has very many specific on any policies, no. but, um, you know, one thing I was thinking, maybe he could make the wall out of cars that are trying to come in from uh, Mexico. <laughs> he, could just a- he just put he just stops them and then they kind of like weld them all together and the wall <laughs> is just going to be a thousand miles of, of Ford cars that weren't allowed into the
1: country. He stops the immigration as well. They, they weld the doors shut in the cruelest wall ever built history of mankind. <laughs> Then the, then the comparisons to Hitler would maybe make more sense. I think he started to do that. So, what, yeah. What? yeah. <laughs> What's up? We'll wait and see. <laughs> yeah, so, all right. One more, uh, I want to talk about this story. So, Randy Pants, hashtag Randy Pants, or Rand Paul, as he is uh, fondly known in circles that don't use his nickname, that we have so, so diligently tried to get people to adopt. So, I'm bringing it back. People, please. Hashtag Randy Pants. Uh, Randy Pants wrote an op-ed for The Blaze, and essentially what Rand said was that he wants to stop all this discussion of piecemeal carving up of Obamacare, where some parts are being kept, some parts are going to be taken back. And one of the things that Trump said he wants to keep is the protections for people to say, OK, those who were denied health care have pre-existing conditions can still access health care. But he wants to roll back the other stuff like the individual mandate and he wants to open up a cross border, uh, you know, plans so people can shop in, in Pennsylvania if I'm in California. Enrico, one of the things we were talking about last night, if you recall, one of the things that actually I do remember from our aborted podcast was talking about how it's actually not possible to really shop across state lines because of the individual state healthcare mandates that that they have in their own state, you know legislation, uh, constitutions or whatever the hell it would be. So tell me. Well,
0: yeah, well, uh, I think I was trying to articulate this after about 35 beers and it, it just wasn't working very well, but, <laughs> but basically the States have the right to set their own healthcare mandates. You know, what kind of policies are, are allowed and, and kind of the, the details of the various um, policies, whatever. So when you're shopping across state lines, you still have to the policy you buy still has to at least at this point in time, you know, comply with the requirements set forth by the individual states. So it's not quite as easy as I think um some of the Republicans are making it out to be. And, and then the other question is, okay, well, generally speaking, you want or or say, a libertarian philosophy or at least a conservative philosophy is, you know, let the states handle it, you know, the lower level of government should be more in control. Mm-hmm. The closer to you, you know, the more control the individual citizen has over it. But on this, it seems like they're saying, well, there should be federal preemption and that federal government should be, you know, over overriding the states right. and, and saying, you know, no, that's not allowable. You, you can't set different requirements in all these different states. So it's kind of a contradiction, if that makes any sense. I'm still probably not explaining it very well. but
1: (laughs) Better than I can explain it, man.
0: My my brain still is uh, working at about 4%
1: capacity. (laughs) I'm uh, 100% with you there. I've str- still struggle fest when we go over here. But, uh, no, I think that's, I, I think that's interesting. I think he explained it pretty well. And I'm surprised that we haven't heard more talk about that because uh, so many people have called for opening up, um, you know, in, internet, not international, but national healthcare plans where you can shop anywhere. And nobody's pointed that out that basically that might be an impossibility at the start so perhaps we need to look into something else and obviously rand paul is a proponent of the free market system and in his piece on blaze he had uh you know he had also pointed out a couple of different different things basically to that extent making it more accessible for everybody kind of taking the government out of it as much as possible and uh and in the past of course rand's also been very strong speaking out for the free market of healthcare and just talking about as his father had talking about how Without all of the regulations and the mandates and all this stuff in place, you could just go to a doctor and pay 50 bucks and he didn't need health care before because it was just that cheap. And by putting all these all these requirements into place, you basically just gave a monopoly to the uh, to the healthcare industry and brought in this whole regime, which is then skyrocketing costs for everybody. And you couple of that, of course, with the litigious society we've become and how all of these doctors also are paying massive, massive insurance premiums themselves just to cover for malpractice. And then that bleeds over into them doing tests upon tests upon tests because they want to cover all of the, they want to cover their asses so thoroughly that, again, you have these healthcare bills that just keep going up and up and up and up and up. So uh, here's actually, let me read off a couple of things that Rand said, and this is actually from rare.us. I apologize. It was not from The Blaze. So Rand said, what should we replace Obamacare with? Perhaps we should try freedom. Number one, the freedom to choose inexpensive insurance free of government dictates. Number two, the freedom to save unlimited amounts in a health savings account. Number three, the freedom to buy insurance across state lines. Number four, the freedom for all individuals to join together in voluntary associations to gain the leverage of being part of a large insurance pool. Now, of course, a couple of those things. Uh, I know Trump wants to have the savings accounts, the health savings accounts, which is good. And of course, I know our very own Mark Clare was a member of Health Excellence Select for a long time, which uh, in which people he was one of those people who voluntarily pooled together an association for his health care coverage uh, up until very recently when he got, uh, got a full-time gig, and I don't think needs it anymore. Lucky him. So, I mean, Rico, what do you think of, the, of those statements? I, I mean, hard to argue with them, I guess, except as we talked about the, uh, the insurance across state lines thing. Even Rand doesn't seem to have as, as good a grasp on it as the mighty Rico.
0: Well, I, I could be entirely wrong
1: about that, but <laughs> okay. I, I hope <laughs> I hope Rand writes an op-ed tomorrow being like, screw that idiot.
0: <laughs> Who gave this guy a forum on a podcast, <laughs> much less all the time. Sure. Um, uh, You know, I don't disagree with anything he, he says at all. One thing <clears throat> that I just wonder about is Republicans have been saying, OK, we need to repeal and replace, repeal and replace. They've been saying it for years. Has any, you know, thing been actually written up what the replacement would be? If not, why not? Why is someone not undertaken? Okay, this is what the legislation is going to be, because you can't just simply say we're going to repeal Obamacare and then, you know, see how things happen, like kind of Nancy Pelosi was talking about when Obamacare was initiated. Yeah. Let's actually have someone write up with the legislation, you know, they're thinking of would be. Put it out there and let's get some discussion about it and see, you know, where do people see potential problems or or whatever. But just kind of having these generalities doesn't move the needle much for me anymore, because we've been talking about these generalities for years and the best of my knowledge, there's been no thorough, you know, legislation
1: written up or no thorough proposal as of this point in time. No, it doesn't seem like there has been. I think Paul Ryan put something together. But yeah, Rand also is very vague. And, it, you know, there's no specifics here. It's just kind of a wish list that he's putting out about freedom, which is great. I'm all for it, Rand, but agreed, we need to see actual hardcore. Here's how we would repeal it. Here's what it would be replaced with Here is, And of course, the sequence in which all these things rolled out would be very important because As we know, a lot of people have already bought into Obamacare. Nowhere near the amount that we're supposed to have bought into it, because again, it is a failed and flawed uh, system that they put into place there. But there are enough people now where you can't just get rid of it, and uh, and as you said, just kind of let let people figure it out on the fly. So yeah, you would have thought that at some point somebody would have stepped up. I mean, in truth, you would have liked to see, even though the the Democrats are uh, in the majority, oppose the repealing of Obamacare, but you're actually seeing more and more people on the democratic side try to step away from it. So, you would hope that in addition to the GOP putting some sort of plan together, you would have people on the democratic side of the fence saying, maybe we should take a look if we're going to if it's going to be repealed, why don't we try to proactively work with the GOP or put together a plan on our end that addresses their concerns but can still protect some of what they would want to be kept in there, like for instance, um, protecting people who had pre-existing conditions. Now, Rand points out, though, and I agree with them here, that I don't know how it would work if you're going to allow people to keep that protection in there and be assured of their health care while taking out the individual mandate. Because if you're not making people buy into these exchanges, how are they possibly going to cover the cost for the people that are pre-existing? You know, because that's that's what's causing all of this to skyrocket anyway. So, yeah, that, that's impossible. Yeah,
0: right? <laughs> no one's the the people, the the vast majority of the people buying into the healthcare insurance would be the people that had the highest expenses. Right. So uh, obviously premiums are going to skyrocket.
1: It's just going to be like, you know, it's like that South park where you, the guys, they deposit their money and the guy just, it's, it's gone immediately. That's what would happen with our health care. <laughs> and, and it's gone. You're new out there. It's bankrupt and we're bankrupt immediately. I mean, yeah, the, it doesn't make any sense. And I, it's pissing me off a little bit that that, you know, that's one of the things that Trump's considering, because, again, there's no logistical way to do it uh, without basically being putting the government in the position of the the proprietor. And you and I had discussed this on a previous podcast, and you had an idea where where basically the most uninsurable people would just be de facto insured under Medicaid by the government. I mean, you want to talk a little bit about that if you if your brain uh, will function enough to allow you to recall that conversation?
0: Well, it, it wasn't really like a, a serious proposal. Like I want this
1: to happen. Well, but, no, but uh, I mean, but that is, it, it was a logical, I guess, fallback because I just don't know how you're going to do it, especially now when it's in place without completely just pulling the rug out from an un- and saying, well, you know, tough tots, which I, I mean, look, I don't want to sound heartless, but at the same time, eh, it ain't my problem. So well, you
0: know, what, what I said, and you know, if the, number one concern is these certain pre-existing conditions, then perhaps an easy solution if might not be a cost-effective one, but you just expand Medicare. You write in, okay, if you are suffering from these particular ailments, you now qualify for Medicare. You don't have to have certain age, um, marker, you know, you just, you qualify for Medicare and, and, now you're treated, and uh Medicare pays your your treatment costs, so I mean
1: I mean it to be a straight well say even though it's hesitant and of course as as libertarians, we're hesitant to say add anything more to the government roles, but in truth, it might be a better option. It might work out far better for all of us as a whole, having that system in place because at least then I mean just look at the Obamacare and how much the costs have gone up in the last two years I mean, my insurance went up, I think about. 33% just this year. And I have, um, and I don't know about you, if yours, do you pay for your own insurance or do you, does your company cover it?
0: Uh, no, I have to pay for it all. So, um, and I also, as a, a you know, kind of individual uh, business entity, I, I have to kind of pay more because I don't get a company matching my Medicare contribution. Right. So I actually have to pay a higher tax level, which is also annoying, but Hey, <laughs> that's the uh, price you pay. Yeah.
1: So that's what probably. did yours, did yours go up as well? I presume. As a yeah. strapping healthy young man who they, uh, I, like I had, I had quite the conversation with my,
0: uh, healthcare customer service agent about a year ago. I, and I called and I said, so basically I am paying, um, about a hundred dollars, $120 more per month and I'm getting less coverage. Is that correct? Then <laughs> the guy's like, yep. And I'm like, <laughs> all right, thanks all for right your well, help. <laughs> what, what can I do about it? <laughs> so. That's, that's how that conversation
1: went. He's like, I'm giving you the middle finger over the phone right now. See you later, sir. Yeah, it's I have it's the same I don't thing. Say much. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's awful. But that's where you say, okay, we're already getting screwed so hardcore because of this law that's in place. If you did take those people out of the equation, basically removing them from the population that is in that insurance pool, you would say, okay, well now the rest of our healthcare arguably would go down exponentially. Uh, to the point where it would probably balance out or more than balance out the people that be on Medicare, because the people on Medicare, that's not insurance where you're regularly paying in. That's just literally you're going to be uh, covered should anything happen to go wrong, catastrophically wrong, or otherwise you need treatment. So I don't know, man, I, I as much as I hate to say it, I'm not a, really that opposed to that concept because I think overall it would benefit everybody else as far as their freedom of choice, their ability to be taxed far less than not be forced into buying health care like we are now.
0: Yeah, um I don't see it happening. I think Trump has already talked about cutting Medicare, so they're certainly not going to expand it any further. I I really wonder what the answer to that particular issue is going to be if you have pre- um existing conditions or or whatever. You know how are they going to be covered? I don't see any answer to that at the present time and it doesn't really seem to be discussed too much what, you know, how that's going to be uh, replaced, what element is going to replace that. So yeah, and another
1: again, thing or, that they really the got a time period, on. what is the time period going to be on, on all this? You know? Yeah. Well, it's. I mean,
0: if they already had something crafted, then you could see when Trump comes into office, okay, well let's vote on repeal, let's vote on replace. But you know, that hasn't been done. And like anything else with the government, they're probably just going to talk and, and talk and, and nothing's ever going to come of it.
1: Yeah, most likely. And that's what I hate most more than anything about, These, you know, these different legislation, uh, these different laws that have been put into place. God, I cannot talk right now. (laughs) Uh, My brain is my brain is fighting my my body and my muscles so hard right now. Um, But as we see, like with anything, like you said, this it's it's going to be hard for them to replace it as much as it's hated. Everybody hates it except for maybe 10 people. And for them to try to replace it or repeal it is going to be a momentous task, even with a full GOP control. And that's what kills me about government and these laws, because once these are on the books, once a law is passed, it is almost impossible to get it taken back. We've seen it with the Patriot Act, we've seen it with any number of other horrible acts and other government forms of growth, where once the government's got its sticky fingers in there, that's it. Those fingers ain't getting out of your pudding, pudding.
0: That's right. Um, I say that expression every day, so I'm glad you picked
1: (laughs) up on it. Put it on a bumper sticker. Well, maybe that's a good place to wrap up this first uh, painful for us, but hopefully not as painful for the listeners episode of Electric Liberty Land. It's good. My voice is already starting to go from screaming too much yesterday. Sometimes enjoy, most of the time in Anchor. Uh, But, yeah, so, guys. Thank you so much for joining us here. Rico, thank you for being the guest uh, twice on the first Electric Liberty Land.
0: <laughs> one day I'll actually have to go back and listen to whatever re- we recorded yesterday because if, if that was actually the episode that aired, this would be the shortest lived spinoff ever. <laughs> I think, Even Eclipsing Joey would have had a longer run than. I, I the think Electric I actually Liberty deleted
1: Land. it. You know, it's kind of like you have a uh, one night stand with a really ugly girl and then you delete her, delete the number and all records from uh, that she ever existed from your life that's what happened with that podcast maybe i should have kept it but i just i didn't want to remind myself of what had happened
0: fair enough it's probably uh, probably for the best we don't want whatever we were talking about
1: floating around on the no definitely not there's yeah i need to keep that dark night of the soul under wraps
0: i think i was mostly talking about interceptions but uh
1: yeah i think that was about 90 minutes it was a, a two and a half hour podcast (laughs) <laughs> no so all right man, well thank you very much guys thank you all for listening electric liberty land will be back it's going to be every wednesday the show is going to run and uh, like i said we're going to be mixing it up i'm going to be expanding kind of the stuff that we do here uh and uh, and seeing we're kind of you know play with the format have some fun i'm open if you guys want to want to request anything or want to send me news tips please do I will open up my email to you so you can send me all of the the pics of your genitals you want. That's brian at lionsofliberty.com. So feel free to give me any feedback uh, that you might like. And I guess I will see you next Wednesday. Until then, guys, keep it free. Keep it real.